you know, well, sure. as, as our kids, you know, as we watch it annually with them. I'm hoping they get... Because my dad made me watch it too when I was a kid. And I was just like, I'm going to watch that again. And they, literally, Ames last night was like, I just don't... I don't get what's so wonderful about his life. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you'll get it someday, son. You'll see. The, I mean, the end is full of glory. I mean, the whole movie's full of glory. But... <clears throat> I remember... I never watched it as a kid. I, when I was in college... I would be doing Christmas break, homework, <coughs> art school homework at the table. And my mom would be in the living room. But have it on just for <coughs> something to have on something while she was wrapping presents. Oh, huh? Because that was our family tradition. <laughs> would be after we went to my grandma's on Christmas Eve, we'd get home late, and then my mom would wrap all of the presents. While dad went to bed. While dad went to bed. He had too much mulled wine. I can't help rap. Sometimes he would try and help, but he wasn't any good at rapping. So, but then it would be on in the other room, so I could hear it. And then, I I think either while we were dating or just after we got married, then we started watching it. My wife and I. Yeah, I'd, I'd never seen it until you invited me over to your house. Oh. Huh? Like, we watch it every year. Yeah. You want to come over and watch it with us? I, said, I don't know. I've never seen it. You've never seen It's a Wonderful Life, and you're my pastor. <laughs> it's like, uh, don't tell the elders. <laughs> so this is, how many times have I been over to watch it? Three years now? This would be the yeah, fourth? Could be. It depends. Well, we liked it. We bought it. It depends. Uh, you're inviting me over on Christmas Eve after <laughs> church. We'll see. That's yeah. Well, it's an awkward year. It's an awkward year. It's a busy year. Not awkward, it's just a busy. Oh, wait. I'm going to drink some of your... <laughs> That's right. You're in my house. Have some of mine. Duars. Duars. So, Merry Christmas, y'all. Say Merry Christmas. It's oh, a Christmas Mary, episode. Are we recording? Yeah, this is the Christmas oh, episode. Right. Merry Christmas. Uh, no. No, nope, wrong movie. Wrong Do you know, I forgot to mention this last week. No. Oh, it's got to set like that. Yeah, I don't want it to tip over. <laughs> it's glass. White Christmas was actually... In the movie Holiday Inn, was where it was made famous. Wasn't that another Bing movie? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, I think I. Which in was, my research, I saw something about Holiday yeah. Inn. That's another Bing Crosby. Did he sing yeah. it in that one too? Yes, that's where he sang it. Oh. I sing it. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention about the last movie is that musicals are a lot like real life because dads just sing about whatever they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We're mowing the. We're raking. We're mowing. You know, we're fixing the pipes. We're fixing the furnace. We're, we'll sing about it unless we're frustrated. But uh, I, I sing a white Christmas, and my kids are like, oh, that's where it came from. And I finally know. We were on a. I'm glad I caught myself. We were having. We were doing a test. We have our first board meeting on this new audio visual equipment this week. And so I was, I joined remotely because I had to go and watch the kids. So I was on the Zoom, and they're like, "All right, Caleb, go ahead and start singing something." And I started to sing um, "Deck the Halls," but I was doing it. For- <laughs> and our new CEO was in the in the actual boardroom, and I, so I stopped myself, and I didn't sing "Far <laughs> That's awesome. You know how we almost start every episode with a story about you from work. I like Do we it. really? Oh, no, oh, it's yeah. it's good. I like it. It sets the tone and pace. But, for this Christmas episode edition, 
of Stories for Glory, we're talking about one of the most glorious stories ever told. Yeah. It's a Wonderful Life, 1946, two years after the... Wait, World War I ended in 1945. Mm-hmm. One year after World War II, directed by Frank Capra. Greg? Greg. Would you like to tell us... It's, you've also, been, it's also in your top five. But, yeah. Greg, you've been waiting for this moment. Yeah. Yes, I have. Would you like to tell us what this story is about? <clears throat> Let me start at the beginning. <laughs> You're just going to quote the whole thing. <laughs> no, it's about a guy named George Bailey, um, who gives up and surrenders all throughout it. He sacrifices himself all throughout his life. Not consciously, just reactively. It's like his his uh, nature, instinct, whatever. So he gives himself up for the problem in front of him. And at one point in his life, he's totally frustrated because he has all these dreams of things that he wanted to do, things he wanted to accomplish. And he sees... You know, he's at the bottom. There's been life a, passing him by. Yeah, or so he thinks. So and there's thinks. been a huge loss of money, and even in that, he's ready to take the blame for it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a Christmas Carol type of thing where this guardian angel says, "I'll show you. you oh, you wish you'd never been born. I'll show you what it would have been like if you'd never been born." Mm-hmm. And then he realizes, wait. They do have a wonderful life. Yeah. And it was wonderful, not because he got to fulfill all of his ambitions. Yeah. But because of the effect his life had on everyone else. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. And all the quote-unquote mundane things in his life that would have been missing, he realizes, oh, what a treasure all those yeah. mundane things are. And it's mm-hmm. it's compared to and contrasted with because every every friend he has, even his little brother, does the grand, epic things he's always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he he wanted to be the war hero. He wanted to be the millionaire business owner. He wanted mm-hmm. you know all these different things, and he didn't get to do any of them. Mm-hmm. But what you find out at the end of the movie is that none of those men would have accomplished those great things if it wasn't for yeah. George Bailey. Yep. Yeah. 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 Lots of sacrifice. Which, quickly before I forget, because this is it's getting later, <clears throat> but that reminds me of biblical stories or even the story of the Reformation. I often think of, oh, the Reformation. You got John Calvin, you got Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. Oh, what great men. But what, there would have been no re- Reformation if congregations full of people wouldn't have followed them and reformed they would have been shouting into the wind or had these great ideas but if nobody listened or nobody paid their salaries or nobody supported them all through history it's been the the unspoken people. the George Baileys yes the George Baileys throughout history who've kept history moving forward uh-huh. yeah. Now you're, now you're thinking like a biblicist. Yeah, that's a good, good point. We don't have to be Sam or... What's his younger brother's name? Harry. Harry. Yeah. 
Don't ever marry a guy that goes, yeehaw. Don't just. Yeah. He can be your friend, but not in your family. <laughs> and it's clear, I think, throughout the movie that George Bailey could have been, I think that was your point, mm-hmm. Jonah. He could have been the millionaire. He could have been the war hero. I want to build airstrips and build a bridge yeah. a mile long. And yeah. In fact, it's interesting because Jimmy Stewart in real life was a bomber pilot in World War II. Huh. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Some of the emotion in the movie, I was told, was trauma from the war that came out. Really? In the movie. I have to say, we watched the color colorized version, which I think the way that they... You can correct me if I'm wrong, because I think they did this with The Wizard of Oz as well, the Technicolor type thing, where they go frame by frame, and somebody paints it. Oh. So they get the film, the whole reel of the film, so each frame, however many frames are in a second, I forget, but each frame they have to paint. Really? So the whole movie is colorized that way, <clears throat> which... I know they did that for The Wizard of Oz, and they might have done it for this one to make it colorized. That would make sense, because there's... Why, it doesn't look so good? Well, yeah, well, there's, like, when he's driving his car under the tree. Because we watched the colorized, too. <clears throat> Sorry, mm-hmm. right. Oh, my goodness, that's terrible. Um, and there would be, like, it was almost all black and white, with the exception of, you know, there was just no color in it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Maybe that's... that's well, and we were talking about the emotion in the movie. I like the black and white. I think it... It mm-hmm. does the emotion of George Bailey, his face and his body language, mm-hmm. way better. You know the scene, <clears throat> I think it's when Clarence takes everything away. He says, you want to know what it's like? When, if you've never been born, I'll show you. And he runs out into the street after a few of the incidences mm-hmm. that he realizes. And it's a close-up on his face, and he's got big eyes. Yeah. You know, and it's like it's like a man looking at a, an apocalyptic waste field. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sweaty. He's been crying, yeah. and his eyes are just huge. And we watched that in the colored version. I was like, ah. Oh. But you mm-hmm. watch it in the black and white version, and it's just a way different emotional experience, at least to me. So between the two, Greg, I agree. I think the black and white hmm. is the way to go. Hmm. That's what we'd be watching at your place on the 24th. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you even own the colored version? This is a funny story, which I was just getting ready to tell. Yes, is the answer. After we got <clears throat> married. It is. My Did mom, you do a Mary and smash it on the... <laughs> my mom bought me the colorized version mm. for our household. And I think we tried to watch it once, and then I just got rid of it. So <laughs> Did you do like Mary with the disc of the Buffalo Gals? <laughs> just smash it on the turnstile? We have the, the two discs set, so one disc is black and white. Oh, I should try the colorized version again. Maybe in July or something. <laughs> Just for fun. <laughs> just, for, just for funsies. Yeah, so we like the black and white one better. Or I do. My mm-hmm. kids like the colored one because they're kids. But mm-hmm. And I want to say it was in black and white. Maybe it was colorized later on. Yeah. yeah they digitally had... or whatever. Oh. But I don't know if they painted. Because this one was always black and white. Yeah. So. Hmm. I don't understand Uncle Billy's finger strings. I think that's an old... If you want to remember something, tie a string around your finger and you'll remember. You'll see the string there. And you go, why did I tie this on my finger? Oh yeah, George is getting married today. Yes, that's what it was for. Well, there were strings on different fingers, though. Yeah. I thought each finger related to a day. Oh. Because he goes, you can take that one off now. Yeah. It's like, I don't... My kids and my wife are like, I would... I think that's old. 
thing tradition that people mm. used to do. Now you just set a reminder in your phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think <clears throat> showed the importance of the father figure. George was like his dad in mm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, his dad seemed like you don't know, you don't learn much of him, but he's kind of the reason George was George. Yeah, he's always standing up to Potter and what mm-hmm. seemed to be doing right. Yeah, so it was generational. Followed his dad. Yep. So it'd be interesting. We don't get to see it, just like with most movies. We don't, you know, it stops at a certain point. But what George's sons and children, how they would have lived mm-hmm. if they'd have lived like Harry and uh, oh, was the Sam Sam Wainwright? Yeah, or if they'd uh, continued the old worthless building and loan. Oh, wow. you know. So you're hoping for like a. A sequel, Potter Strikes Back, or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but where the Baileys are triumphant. Yeah. 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 No, no, it was a. I mean, it was just full of virtue. The whole movie was. Mm-hmm. Just top to bottom. Because making people's lives more important than making money. Uh-huh. Even to his own frustration. Right. He kept doing it, knowing that was the right thing to do, yep. but he was still frustrated because it wasn't making a lot of money. Which kind of flies in the face of, <clears throat> which is interesting watching it, the, there was a, like the potter, I, I gotta be careful here, but <laughs> just that, you know, making money off the the, the backs of you know, it, we live in this culture where you can become anything that you want to become just with mm. some, some blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. Maybe. You know, I mean, he, he's building the, the Bailey subdivision with immigrants and, you know, folks that are just trying to make an honest living and they're not climbing to the top. Mm-hmm. You know, where Potter just wants to take advantage of every every person, charge more rent, charge more this, charge more that. And just mm-hmm. like... So it's, it's interesting watching that too. Like it'd be interesting watching that from the the eyes of, you know, because I could you could almost see how people might look at that and go, well, George Bailey is just being soft and yes, you know, he's almost a little bit of a socialist. Well, your money's not, you know, your money's not in the bank. It's wrapped up in this person's house and this person's yeah. house, and we're mm-hmm. distributing the wealth and you know. Mm-hmm. So I was just I was just watching that going, what what I don't know what was it that. What about that resonated with me? But just being like, I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily want to get rich off of, you know, folks that are just getting by. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of George's approach. He's not. He's not making tons of money, but he's mm-hmm. he's building neighborhoods and he's yep. helping dads and moms mm-hmm. and you know families. And it's just like it's just it's wholesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the difference between. George Bailey and socialism is he's trying to <clears throat> inspire people to continue <clears throat> to support each other rather than top down no right you're going to give this guy your well, money yeah and to be and to work your way to independence yeah mm-hmm. Robert Kiyosaki probably doesn't like this movie I don't know Rich, Rich, Dad, Rich Dad Poor Dad oh it's probably not in his top ten oh um, because of some of those principles but like 
Yeah, and I, I think what I like too is that it's not overly. Um, it's just it's like we're talking. You can relate with George Bailey and his frustrations. It's not just this idyllic, you know. Look at George Bailey's life; everything mm. is just going so well. Mm-hmm. There's no hardships. Like it's well, he's it would home. be going well though, right? But his resentment. Yeah. Well, say, I mean, he's he's coming home at times to sick kids. He's coming home to, he's coming home frustrated. Mm-hmm. It's been a hard day at work, mm-hmm. and he's irritable. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I can relate with that. Mm-hmm. Hard day at work, and you come home, and your kid's playing the four same bars on the piano for thirty minutes straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know. ah! <laughs> yeah, I like I like that. Mm-hmm. In some ways, George is very mature. In other ways. Because, you know, the mark of a good story is that your main character goes through a character change. Something in him shifts, in his personality, in his integrity or whatever. And in some ways, he's very mature because he's always willing to bear the burdens of others around him, and which is a mark of responsibility. I mean, maturity. If you bear responsibility willingly, you take it. That's just a mark of maturity. And you want your, you know, like even with kids around the house, if you walk by something that needs to be put away... Put it away, you know. Mm-hmm. Just starting even small with something like that. No, you saw the toy on the floor, just pick it up. You know, take the responsibility. Do what's right. And he does those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But it's his self-pity that ends up damaging everything, which is what we're talking about when you come home after hard days of work. Can't you just be quiet? It's like your kid playing the piano isn't sinful. Mm-hmm. So why are we yelling at them about it? Right. You know, those <laughs> kinds of things. Yeah. And uh, and I think it comes out, you know, when Potter offers George a job, and he's and he he's twenty eight years old, and he makes forty five dollars a week, mm-hmm. and then Potter says, "A young guy like you with your ambition," and now he's appealing, he's appealing to George, mm-hmm. your ambition, your drive, everything that you want to do, mm-hmm. I can help you do that, and he goes, "And you hate the building and loan almost as much as I do." <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think it, it dawned on uh, George at that moment that apart from the people around him, he would be just like Potter. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. right? you see his face change, yeah. and he starts doubting what's happening. Why am I in this man's office? He's a snake, you know. And it's I think at that moment that George starts to change. Yeah. Because he realizes he has the same attitude towards the building alone and all the people he's been helping that Potter has. Yeah. So everything could be it could be a wonderful life except for his own resentment. Hmm. Because he never got what he wanted. Yeah. And that's and that's really like the root of all of our day-to-day anger is that we hate being told no. Hmm. We just want to get home and take a tub. We want to get home and read a book. We want to get home and have a cigar. We want to get home and and as soon as you get home it's dad, hey dad, hey hun, <laughs> hey and like you didn't even change yet, you know. You you still got your work bag, and as soon as you walk in the door, there's ten more burdens on you, and all you wanted to do was sit down for ten minutes, you know, right? Yeah. It's the inter- the constant interruption of our desires is what makes us angry. Mm. And when you watch Jesus in the Gospels, <laughs> whenever he's interrupted, he doesn't get angry like ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anytime anybody comes up to him, even when, when he has, he, he never deviates from his mission and his goal. He always accomplishes what he sets out to do. But along the way, he doesn't let people bother. 
he allows people to bother him and he doesn't get bothered by it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah. that's, that's, and he had a wonderful life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was, a, so when George comes home all frustrated, things mm-hmm. aren't going the way he wants. Why do I have to live in this drafty old house? Why do the kids have to play the piano? Why? Like none of those things are sinful or bad. Right. But you hate them because you think those things are preventing you from getting what you think you didn't need or desire. Mm-hmm. And that that's all of us. Yeah. Right. So. To be fair to George, this was like his Gethsemane moment because he had just taken responsibility to go to prison yeah. for the missing eight thousand. That's what I mean. He's willing to take that burden. Yeah. yeah. That's mature. He is um, he is the head of the company. It's understandable. Yeah. But your point still stands, but this is like the pinnacle of his yeah. sacrifice. Yes, it was. Yeah. He comes home and realizes I'm going to prison for something I didn't do. Yep. For money I, I'm taking responsibility for. Sure. Yeah, and the way he glad the way that he gladly accepts that burden. Remember, he comes home after it all, and he goes, "I'm going to prison. Isn't it wonderful?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and he's singing and he's dancing. And he's he won't stop kissing his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just loving on the kids, and he's counting it all joy, even his afflictions. Mm-hmm. And the difference was uh, between his Gethsemane moment and the rejoicing in his sufferings was he prayed to the Father and jumped in the water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He really oh. did die and rise again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He prayed that God would show him the way, and he gets punched in the face. Mm-hmm. I was like, "That's awesome!" You ask God for help, and you get punched in the kisser. Mm-hmm. And then he has to jump in the water to save Clarence, which he did to his brother in the beginning of the movie. So we have book, you know, chiasm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he jumps in the water to save Clarence, and then. Once he realizes what life would be like without him, he prays again, and as soon as he says, "Please God," mm-hmm. it starts snowing. Yeah. So in both instances, as soon as he pray, it mentions God and prays to Him. Things, everything shifts, and after his baptism in the water, um, he comes out a new man. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he prayed. Because he prayed. Yeah, he asked for help, and God because gave he it. He prayed, "I want to live again." I want to live again. I want to announce this resurrection. No, yeah, I don't. I don't have any problem with that kind of symbolism in this movie because I think it's all there. But as soon as he prays to God, God answers him, and the first time he answers him, it's to a punch in the face. <laughs> because this is like the, and I, I know like Peter Lightheart and Doug Wilson and James Jordan point this out in the Bible, when people meet Jesus, and and you, you know they come to him and they ask for something and he gives it, and they worship him, and he'll say. And then these people will separate from Jesus, and they'll start getting berated by everybody. So, like the the man who was born blind, remember he, and the disciples say, "Whose whose sin was it? Was it his sin or his parents? You know that he's born blind." And Jesus is like, "No, no, no! You're you're a bunch of idiots. Uh, he was born blind to show forth the glory of God." And then he heals him, and the guy worships him, and then Jesus disappears, and then the Pharisees come in. And they, they question him three times, you know, they question him twice on his own, and then they call his parents to come in, and then finally they excommunicate him. He's removed from the church rolls. He's kicked out. And after all of those trials and everything, even his parents abandon him, the church excommunicates him, and he's kicked out of the covenant, so to speak, and Jesus shows up again. <laughs> so Jesus heals him, and the guy worships him, and he becomes his disciple. And then Jesus leaves. And the guy goes through all of these hardships on his own, 
and then Jesus comes back. Yeah. And it's often like that. I think that's a pic. Yes, that really happened, but that's also a picture of George Bailey. He prays to God and gets punched in the face. We pray to God and ask for help, and guess what? We get another burden. And it's God's, and it's God acting on our behalf to form us and shape us into who He wants us to be. But when we talk about being related, George being relatable, there's just another one. You ask God for help, and you get a bloody lip. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. I got five pages of notes, so if you guys don't say anything, I'm gonna keep going. Well, yeah, prime the pump again. Prime the pump. Mm-hmm. Okay. A distraught father is a hard thing to watch. Being fathers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you were. Caleb was talking about that earlier. The relatability of all of George's struggles, being a father, trying to provide for a family and lead a family through life. It's like, oh yeah, I can identify with that. Oh, I can identify with that. You know, there's, I think mean, that's what makes part so great is just that you just relate with it. You get it to some extent. It doesn't, it doesn't sugarcoat mm-hmm. yeah. just the hardships of what it means to be, you know, for George. I mean, I, and you, you have to change your perspective. And I think there's even that um, you know the, the grinding it out the day to day you know I, I think about the the lack of glamour in being an IT guy at a quasi government agency and it's like and I've learned so much in the last six years like how to be thankful and content when you know I could be doing so much more I have so much more mm. to offer to the world and it's like eh, yeah but your primary responsibility is, is this and so when you, and it helps just level the playing field of that thinking and just feeling like, okay and so I've just learned so much in just the the mundaneness of my job that I think and I think George does as well he doesn't realize it you, you brought up the, the, the potter scene you know but it's that's just life um, I I actually I, we talked about a little bit head of household I don't necessarily fully agree with Michael Foster's you gotta have a mission and then you bring your family into it it's like maybe maybe you can have that approach but what when you're 40 you know what are you supposed to do at that point my mission is my family like to some extent like this is my highest calling is the provisional element you know it's like yeah if I was 18 and was thinking differently maybe I can teach my boys that but like we live in western culture where it's a luxury to think that way most of the developing world doesn't have that luxury you work yeah you know, Pakistani Christians make bricks or they sweep streets. Right. There's your mission. You know, like, mm-hmm. so, and Post Mill probably has something to say to that, but like, right. I don't know, like the, just the grind, the, the, the day in, day out, grinding it out and seeing the greater purpose in the grinding is right. super beneficial. Yeah, and mm-hmm. when Potter confronts him, or confronts him, offers him a job, and he, you know, you do all this for the building and loan, and you only make forty-five dollars a week. And after everything that you pay out, you, what you bring home ten dollars. Right. And my question in my notes was, well, so what? Right. What's wrong with that? Yeah, he's he's doing it. He's providing for his mom. Mm-hmm. He's got a house. He's got a wife. They've got kids. Yeah. They've got a car. Mm-hmm. You know, like why? Why is Potter trying to make? Well, I know why he's trying to do it, but why does that make us feel 
guilty or bad right. or we're not it's not enough mm-hmm. you know, his family's got everything they need yeah and more uh, they even have a piano in their house like that's that's not a cheap thing right especially right? then yeah especially back then and so yeah you bring home ten dollars a week after you pay every, you know ten dollars of expendable income a week back then that's great mm-hmm. or was it a month I forget I think it was forty five dollars a week and Potter was offering them ten thousand dollars a year package fly yeah. to Paris New York New York right. a couple times yeah but but to think and I think that's part of sorting out the vocation versus providing because he could have provided mm-hmm. for his family much better right if he would have taken Potter's offer but he stuck with what he felt was his calling yeah to, I'm gonna no I'm supposed to do this right right here I've been listening through uh, it's on Word MP3 it's um Gene Edward Byte or whatever his name is on vocation and he basically just talked about Luther's approach to it in just the grand scale of the economy everybody has a part to play in it I mean and once you can see the big picture you can appreciate everybody's role in it but yeah. like the guy that's the guy that's making my junior bacon cheeseburger is playing a part in mm-hmm. His calling, like that, God has put that dude at Wendy's to, like, you know, mm. to provide for others. Now I'm hungry. Yeah, I just listened to <clears throat> uh, Plot Activity. Mm. You guys listen to that one? Mm-hmm. You can listen to it in a day. It's pretty short. Mm-hmm. But Doug, Doug talks about in that book how I forget the guy's name, but he did an economic, 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 economic. Sounds better. Mm-hmm. Analysis of a pencil. Mm-hmm. So just like a number two, Ticonderoga pencil. And it takes over 200 people to get a pencil made. And no one man has enough knowledge or potential or capability to make a pencil on his own. Hmm. Just a pen, like a just common day, run in the mill, everybody throws them away, pencils. Mm-hmm. It takes over 200 people to provide enough resources, time, and talent, and know-how to make a pencil. Yeah. And then some of our modern, our, our Christian culture in the CREC is saying things like if you're part of that 200 you're not good enough or you know you're doing something wrong you know you need to own the business right that hires these 200 or you know what i mean like well no like those people are are as essential as the owner yeah Mm -hmm. and and to belittle somebody like like a george bailey for bringing home ten dollars a week yeah and caring for his family and tithing to the church like you're actually doing a disservice to the faithfulness of these men who are working hard Mm -hmm. yeah so is it is that kind of yeah exactly <clears throat> and I think I, that's what I want to teach my my boys too is in that process yeah I mean find something that suits your personality if you if you have the luxury of doing that I'm not poo pooing on oh, that right. idea yes. I'm not saying no no we shouldn't but I think there's just this romantic idea I think I met, read a post by Jim Jordan on yuppie post millennialism and it's just like Part one, two, three, and four. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just got, got it going. Yeah, I mean, it's through blood, sweat, and tears that the kingdom advances, mm-hmm. and that means you know sometimes sometimes that's your vocation. Right. Sometimes that that is the calling that God has put you in. You're going to learn so much <clears throat> through the dissatisfaction of it that you learn to be thankful. You know, in the unglamorous nature of, and it's and and, and then as you start to realize that I, I'm speaking from experience 
then it, it opens up opportunities within, okay, I'm in the IT department, but I don't have to be a jerk. You know, I can go actually mm -hmm. be, you know, helpful on the, you know, with the people that normally don't like to work with IT or whatever, like, you know, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's that, <clears throat> it's that way of thinking though. Well, that, Greg, you and I have talked about, uh, you know, there's David, David, David's great. And you learn great principles about being a man <clears throat> and a leader uh, from David. And there's his mighty men. You know, all their names are recorded in Scripture. But you know what? You and I, Greg, we're the, we're the Israelites who died in the field of battle. Mm -hmm. And there are more faithful men dead on the field of battle than famous men written down in Scripture. Mm -hmm. Right? And, that, that's, and I would say that those men are no less important. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So... You, can you learn from David? Yeah, absolutely, and you better. But who are you? Yeah, I'm I'm the guy standing behind him, about to die, <laughs> and no one knows my name. You know, like, and that is okay, right? Yeah. And and there has to be that kind of a perspective, like you're talking about with the reformers, mm -hmm. and the reformers are only successful because the families who worked hard helped them. Yeah. So yeah, 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 and you you can see that in a way in today's economy where people cannot find people they can't to find work. Help. Yeah. Just get help. So you can be the greatest people manager, but if there's no people to manage, right. yeah. Yeah, I just heard I heard two accounts today, two accounts in one day, of these young men who graduated from college, one moved to Texas and one moved to California for their jobs. And within months, one of them quit and came back home. It wasn't what he thought it would be. Hmm. Like, and I'm thinking in my mind, what, work? <laughs> yeah. well, or California, right? That could be the thing, too. But the other one down in Texas wants to come home, too. Huh. You just mm -hmm. can't hack it. Like, mm -hmm. And the, the question is, of course, well, why? You know, what did you expect was going to happen? You're going to sit around and eat Cheetos and play video games all day and get a paycheck or something? You know, like, mm -hmm. no, you actually have to work. Yeah. Like you said, Caleb, blood, sweat, tears. And I don't want... I don't want to raise up my boys and my girls that when something gets hard, they just, I'm going to go home. Mm. It's like, no, you don't get to. Yeah. I remember watching one of my pastor friends. Uh, he told his son to take the garbage out to the dumpster. And it was like this big dumpster, you know, the big black lid on a hinge. And his kid couldn't reach the top of the dumpster. And it was snowing. And so he had to figure out how to open the, the lid on the dumpster and put the bag of garbage in without even being able to reach the lid, you know? And we're, and I was like, I, I, my boots are right there. You want me to run out and help him? He's like, nope. Yeah. It's, it's just a bag of garbage, right? It's going to get in the dumpster, and I want him to figure out how to do it. Hmm. And I was like, hmm, that, this is an interesting, because he's a little bit older than me. And I was like, this is an interesting teaching moment for me to watch. Yeah. Because sometimes we want everything to be easy on our kids uh -huh. you know and when you see them struggling at least my inclination is I want to step in mm -hmm. and and help them right and but like this dad showed me like no like what's what's the harm that's going to happen here he's going to learn how to deal with frustration yeah over a bag of garbage better do it now than when he graduates from college and moves to California right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah so anyway and finding that balance of not exasperating your kids yeah and having the wisdom to know, oh, this would be good for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, telling an eight-year-old to cut seven cords of wood by the end of the day might be too much, but to take out a bag of garbage, mm -hmm. you know, when you're ten, yeah, figure it out, son. 
And he did figure it out. He came and got the broom for the garage from the broom, uh, the broom from the garage, and he used that to push the lid up and over. And then he hooked it on the bag and put it in, and then closed the lid and came inside. It took him a while, but problem he, solved. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now he's got. He dealt with frustration, and he figured out some problem solving. Yeah. And he's confident. He did it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So that was very very simple, but it has great payout. Sure. What does IT stand for? Information technology. Huh. Okay. Well, that went 180 degrees. <laughs> well, I always hear IT, 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 and then I'm like, what exactly does that stand for? Yeah. Information technology person. I think we, IT guy. We should probably talk about IT, but before that, or after that, or before it, whenever, in the middle of it, I want to talk about George and Mary's marriage. What what, did, what was the first thing that you read? The frustration of a father? What oh, was uh, watching a distraught father is hard. Yes. And Caleb was talking about... Oh, yeah, let's go back to that, sure. A distraught father. But I thought what was interesting, what we've all been through, is we don't see the distresses of our own fathers. Mm. And how you... Oh, you were saying George Bailey was kind of... Taking the mantle, you didn't say that, but taking the mantle of his own father with the building and loan, all the headaches, etc. But that's what killed his father, and we didn't see stroke, yeah. we didn't see any of that. Hmm. The struggles. George Bailey saw it at the table one night where he said, "You look tired. Oh, another tussle with Potter today." <clears throat> but how the sons don't really see the struggles of their fathers. Right, and George Bailey's dad had been fighting that battle mm-hmm. for quite a while. Yeah, that's I, I can attest that watching your dad cry is one of the hardest things to see. Yeah, watching my dad cry—you know, the handful of times, maybe three—that I saw him cry in his life—it was it was heartbreaking as a son mm-hmm. to see your rock. Mm-hmm. You know, you. The man who's always steady, who can get out of every situation, mm-hmm. who's got an answer, you know, who can fix things, who can take, you know. I remember riding in the, my dad's Bronco with him, and I'd see, like, these big billboard signs, like, for a business. Not like a big highway billboard, but, uh, like, a neon sign or a big lit-up sign. And I'd think in my head, my dad could pick that up. Hmm. And I'd see all these signs, and I'm like, I know he could get that. You know, like, I... And then you see this man who you build up in your mind weep. And that's just, that's really difficult. And then seeing a, a distraught father like George Bailey, it's mm-hmm. just hard to watch. Because mm-hmm. that's not what you want from him. Mm-hmm. You want him to be the rock and to be steady. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that, even that, weeping with this child in a chair with the insurmountable obst- obstacle supposedly in front of them yeah. yeah I can identify with that too mm-hmm. yeah I don't think any of us have faced prison <laughs> Not you know prison. leaving your family and your kid, your wife yeah. and your kids and your home and the business and yeah. all because of Uncle Billy's mistake yeah but there's I think we've all been through situations in life where it's like I don't know what next week holds yeah um, yep I have no idea how this is going to work out I don't know where my family will be, that kind of question, or I don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
But you were going to talk about their marriage? Yeah, I think Mary, she's a fantastic wife. Yeah, yep. You know, so we talk about George Bailey as, like, relatable, you know, the kind of man that you should aspire to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, when you watch the movie, you know, if you're a wife, mm-hmm. take some tips from Mary. Yeah. Yeah, you know, she's got it. She's got She knows what she's doing. Yeah. Just great. Yeah. Um, she's... She, Go ahead. No, she was a real homemaker. She's a real homemaker. Yeah. So she's she's driven, she's willful, uh, she exerts herself, and yet she's beautiful, submissive, mm-hmm. yeah, wifely, mo- fe- feminine, motherly. Mm-hmm. You know, she's it was just great to see a marriage like that. She remodeled the whole house. The house. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, work, worked hard, burned the candle at both ends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she was there. Oh, no, she was there what? Oh, just saying, when she's given, <clears throat> is it Martini? Who's the guy that, the house, she's right oh, there yeah. with George. Offering the, what? Oh, yeah, Bread so and good. wine? Bread and wine. Bread, wine, and yeah. salt. Yeah. That's right. I was like, oh, those are in the sacrifices. <laughs> yeah, what, that has to be a tradition. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know where it came from unless it comes out of the scripture. But Bread, wine, and salt. Blessing this new house with bread, wine, and salt. Yeah, but those things are present in the tabernacle and temple every day. Yeah, yeah. Or even when he comes home frustrated, and another great scene, he's just lambasting the kid. Why don't you stop playing that stupid song? Yeah, you know he's cussing out the or not cussing out, but chewing out the teacher, and you know, and Mary's just going, "What do we need to do? We need to pray for Daddy." Yeah, Yeah. pray hard, rather than like. Responding in the in same kind, emotions right. that George is, you know, experiencing. Yeah. She's an alpha male, <laughs> female, alpha yeah, female. Right. She just, she's, she has a control over her emotions. That that's uh, just a great scene. Yeah, and she knows what she wants. Mm-hmm. She's not flim flammy. She's not a wilty, fainting couch mm-hmm. kind of girl. Except in, except in the scene when George isn't alive, then she faints. Mm. When oh, she's an yeah. old maid, but oh, I mean, right. she's just. She's a power, powerful woman. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that goes back to your point, your point about vocation. No, no. This this paints a picture of my idea of the vocation. George's calling was the building and loan. That was his job in life, and she kept the home fires burning. Mm-hmm. That was, was her job. She was there so he could come home to. A, a stable place mm-hmm. and so they all I mean without that <clears throat> the no. building and loan would have faltered and Martini wouldn't have had a place to live and yeah it's right. kind of the point earlier of the unsung heroes underneath the Davids and the John Calvins and the Martin Luthers yeah and I think that's what a lot of motherly wifely homemaker situations are Right is the uns- I mean, without that at home, all these men's vocations would collapse. Right. Like, what would it be like if you and your wife were both coming home at five o'clock from stressful days at work? I mean, granted, I think mm-hmm. the house can at times ha- have its own stressful elements, mm-hmm. but it's different. Like, right? It, yeah. What a gift. I think about that with my wife. Just right. you come yep. home and there's fresh milk, you know, there's baked bread, and you're like, oh. mm-hmm. yeah. And the kids <sighs> have been there all day. It, yeah, yeah. And when I go to the office in the morning, 
there's a line of vehicles on the way to the public school and seeing the kids in because you can see the kids and they have their masks and everything you're like this is just heartbreaking yeah and my kids are like we want to go on a school bus and we want to go to the school so we can ride on a school bus and i was like and i said if you wanted to go to the school over there you would be gone eight hours every day like we want to stay home <laughs> you know like just immediately change their minds like yeah. never mind <laughs> yeah. but yeah it is it is nice to have a wife um, at home mm. with the kids and Mary also has a great sense of humor he's mm. making violent love to me mother mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you said this was 1945 yeah it that came was, out in 1946 that was very I mean <clears throat> that was kind of shocked that's uh, kind of vulgar language for a movie of that time and she's hiding behind the bushes naked yeah oh this is an interesting situation yeah. we have here <laughs> that was such a great scene yeah. I could uh, <laughs> sell tickets <laughs> My kids were like, why would he sell tickets to that? <laughs> like, I'll tell you later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, uh, it was really he's, good. He's making violent love to me, mother. Which is, there's, the whole movie is full of great scenes. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, that was going to be one of my questions. We all cried at the end, right? Yeah. But I was going to ask later, but which other scenes did you cry in? So hold that. Now continue your... Well, I'm talking about great scenes, and I've yeah. mentioned this before, but... The most powerful scene in the movie, I think, is when they're in the doorway on the phone with Sam Wainwright. When and, they're igno- and they're ignoring him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looking He's at smelling her hair, and she's looking up at him. And, and that, that's one of the scenes where it's funny how men and women relate. Because she's all dolled up. She's got the music going. She's got the painting. Yeah. And he's completely like just a grump. Yeah. And she goes, "Do you like my dress? It's all right." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just completely flipping about her. Yeah. Still smells like pine needles in here. Yeah. Still. So- <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, great. That is a great scene in the house. And it all starts with your mother called and said you were coming over. <laughs> it's just like that's perfect. That's so funny. And I think it's one of the great things about this movie is that it's so self-contained that everything in the movie is connected mm. so the, even like in the beginning of the movie with his brother falling in the water and him saving him and losing oh. function in his ear that beginning scene isn't lost throughout the whole movie yeah. and, mm-hmm. and in fact it's like recapitulated at the end with Clarence mm-hmm. right and then yeah. he gets his ear back he's like what yeah. uh, the house that they throw, they throw rocks at is the house that they move into yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. all the friends and his little brother who go away they're still there at the end it's just a very cohesive yeah there's no loose ends yeah right everything's connected in the and I think that's why one of the reasons why it's a good story too mm-hmm. but yeah yeah they pick up pieces and they don't they don't leave any of it hanging really yeah. it's all there it is like two and a half hours but is it really that just long? flies by it does fly by well yeah. I don't think it flies by for my kids I think there's still yeah probably uh, but where's I, the shooting? I think I start. I, start, I always start. <laughs> There's one scene and it's terrible. <laughs> I always start crying with. Um, oh yeah, crying scene in the pharmacy when he, you know, mm-hmm. is, is saving Mr. Gower's Mr. reputation. Gower's reputation, like that's like where it starts. Mm-hmm. And then they're just yep. scenes throughout it. But were you crying because he's smoking a cigar in the pharmacy, <laughs> or because <laughs> there's child labor? Because <laughs> doing right by him. Yeah. yeah, even to his own hurt. Mm-hmm. That's George. Yep. Yeah, it's where it starts. I mean, like it starts with 
with Harry. Harry but yeah, uh, I don't cry as much with that. Maybe it's a sibling oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do it, but right. let the boy go. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. No, but the in the point where Harry comes home and George is expecting, ah, okay, Harry's home. He'll take over the building and loan, and I can do my thing. And then Harry says, oh, I'm married. Didn't I tell you that? Yeah. And he realizes at that point, uh, I'm still here. I'm yeah. going to be, oh, because her father offered him a job. Right. And, Nepotism. But, and he, like, quickly drops it, though, and he's yes. just, like, celebratory. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What am I thinking? Oh. Stop thinking about yourself, George. Yep. Yeah. What a good reminder. Yep. Yeah, Every day. Sacrifices all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that scene gets you? No, ju- I guess oh. just watching just his like sacrifice. Do the Dutch cry? No. No. <laughs> never. No, that's a weakness to cry. <laughs> yep. That's why Jesus never did it. No. He, he wept. But in Greek, it doesn't say wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. It says words. he looked stoically off into the distance <laughs> and said, I'm going to change the world. <laughs> did his eyebrows go up and down? <laughs> well, the, uh, the Gower scene gets me, and then the scene, because you, you know Potter's just such a snake, because on the day of their wedding, the loan gets called at the bank. Oh, yeah. Which is Potter's doing, because he owns the bank. You're like, Potter, you're such a scoundrel. On the day of his wedding, he really hates... Even the dad says it. Uh, out of all the things Potter hates the most, he hates the Bailey family, or something like that. Mm. Or out of all the things Potter hates, he hates the Bailey family the most. And on George's wedding day, the loans are called in, and they can't go on their honeymoon, and they got the wad of cash. Right? And Mary's standing in the background. Yeah. And George is trying to figure out what to do with, like, 50 people. And everyone's demanding all their money. And he's now, if you just give me, you know, he's trying to stall and he's trying to think, just give me a minute and we'll figure this out. You don't have to go to the bank. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. And Mary goes, how much do you need? I lose it right there. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's a good wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that, that's hard. That was hard for me to watch in an emotionally good way. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, yeah. And then, then, of course, the end of the movie. Yeah, because she's willing to sacrifice yeah. everything along with him. She's willing to follow her head. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to when he was going to, after his dad died, and then they had the vote over whether to close down the building and loan or not. And then he's headed right. out the he door. He had to give up his trip. Yeah. yeah. But he's headed out the door in that great camera work of just at that precise moment, his full face in the screen. But George. And he stops, yeah. They'll close the building and loan if you don't take the, the whatever president's position. And yeah. it zooms in on his face. But then the other time, he leaps over the counter is to save the building and loan, to hold the doors so people don't all try and leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holy mackerel, I'm married! <laughs> Like the day of his wedding, you know, he just he was so busy taking care of other people, yeah, yeah. that he forgot. And then, and then that's just great too, when he gets home to his new home, home, what home, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then he gets there, and his friends Bert and Ernie are putting up the posters, and mm-hmm. like, and Mary, she gets the bed ready. Like the first thing he walks in to his new home, 
and he looks to his right and he sees the bed made. Hmm. You're like, this is a good woman. <laughs> and then there's this romantic dinner and his friend has to shove him over there like he's so stunned he can't do anything. And uh, in this old rundown home and aside from, you know, Mary doesn't care about the wallpaper and the water and she doesn't care about how old the house is and the broken windows. Yeah. She has her husband. Mm-hmm. And that that's another scene that's just fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever listen to Adventures in Odyssey? Mm-hmm. That's Jimmy and Donna are named after James Stewart and Donna Reed. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, I never realized that. Yeah. Yeah, and Bert did that have anything? To, oh yeah, Bert and Ernie. Bert and Ernie, I imagine. I'm guessing Muppets, right? Sesame Street. I'm well, guessing. did you notice downtown in Helena? Bert and Ernie's. Bert and, Ernie's. and Last of the Moon. Oh, oh. There's there's a few there's a couple of few businesses down there. Some huh. of them are out of business now, but they're they're named after. I think there were four of them, four or five of them that were named oh. after this movie. Okay, interesting. But Bert and Ernie's is closing up, right? Yeah, it's gonna become a butch block. A butcher block, yeah. Well, anyway, so even downtown Helena, they yeah they adopted some of the stuff in the movie. Has almost as much impact on the world as the church. This movie does almost. <laughs> Did you notice that Potter's Field is where all these people live that are under his oppression? Mm-hmm. And the Potter's Field in the Bible is where Judas is buried. That's where, yeah, it's where the betrayer of man goes. Mm-hmm. Potter's Field, Craig. Akodama, the field of blood. And there's probably a lot of theology to be dug out of that. Potter's field. Like a... What is that? Uh, Jesus will shatter the, with his iron rod into shards. You're talking about Psalm 2? Yes. Yeah. What's he shattering? The wicked. I'm seeing... Shattered vessels of pottery. Oh, and how Potter is broken physically. Yeah. He's a warped, wow. twisted old man in a wheelchair. <laughs> well, no, he, he silly, is. scurvy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder how popular the movie is today. Obviously, it wasn't popular when it came out. No, it, yeah, it failed. It failed when it came out. But just thinking. He's answering the the question of what is the good life, and it doesn't look like the good life to. We, yes. I, like we we see it because we have the chief example in Christ. The world looks at that and goes, "That's foolish." You know? yeah. yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Does modern Does modern man watch It's a Wonderful Life and go? Does it hit him in the feels? Or are they like, "This is stupid"? Why would that guy do all that? Yeah. I want to be Sam Wainwright. Right. I want to be Harry. Right. Harry Bailey. And I want to be Potter. And what does that say about why it flops so much? Because you have, in contrast with a White Christmas, mm-hmm. here's these two very successful men traveling the country, mm-hmm. living the. They're the Harry and Sams. Right. They're they're not they're not tied down to responsibility. They're, and yeah. one movie was a huge success, and the other is a huge failure. Mm-hmm. And because it's it's grappling with really hard truths. Mm-hmm. Um, it just you just wonder. I don't talk. I should. I, maybe I'll ask some guys at work about it. Do you guys like it's wonderful? I'm gonna ask them that. Tomorrow. You should. Yeah. yeah. And why? And why? Right. Or why not? Yeah. Because it's in black and white. Marvel <laughs> movies are way better, right, Alan? Right. 
Where's the CGI? I wonder if, if some of that, some of the themes in the movie resonate with people. Right. And like, there's a hole there. That, the image oh, of God. That's pretty yeah. cool. But I'd rather be Potter. Right. I'd rather own the town. I'd rather have a painting of myself in my office. Yeah. <laughs> Which my kids think is super dorky. I'm like, good, I'm glad you think it's dorky. <laughs> Unless they painted it. Oh, which, if they painted a picture of me? Right. Well, they things? do little stick drawings of me, you know? Like, this is you, Dad, and this is us. And Thanks to co-op and... They're learning art. It's yeah. Grace. Yeah, that's... It's pretty fun to watch. She did a great the, job with the yeah, kids. The, the, the water painting that they've been doing. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, they close with joy to the world. Right? And... Uh, out loud and sang. Yeah. Sign. What did they? What did it? Is it Joy to the World or Hark the Herald the Angels Sing? Hark the Herald. Oh, okay. George, you guys want. Are we done? I have more. No, good. Keep going. Because I don't mind this actually being our longest episode. <laughs> it should be. It should be? Okay. So, George, he, he says to Clarence, uh, you know, it'd be better if he had never been born. Mm-hmm. Which is what? Some of the saints in the Bible say. Job says it. Hmm. Uh, Jeremiah says it. So George is in good company. And I want to know what you guys think about that. <laughs> Before well, I tell you what I think about that. Phonetically, Job, Jeremiah, and Job. George. <clears throat> well, remember in Hebrew, though, there's no J sound, so it would be Job. Jeremiah. In Jorge, your, <laughs> that sounds Swedish. Jorge, 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 Jorge. No, so why would why would suffering saints are they right or wrong in saying that? I mean, even Solomon in Ecclesiastes says that. So you got Solomon, Job, Jeremiah, George, and I know I didn't I didn't forewarn you of that question. But remember, like what Phil said in the last movie, speak positively, especially when you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so just try that. But well, I think like Solomon. I don't think he's saying, "Oh, it'd be better if I'd never been born." I think he's saying, "There's an advantage stillborn people have over people that have to struggle through." You don't have to suffer anymore. <clears throat> yeah, and that's true. Wouldn't it be much better to be stillborn, go directly to heaven? You know. <clears throat> but somebody, okay, you got Solomon knocked down. Now somebody going through trouble like Job or Jeremiah. I don't remember where he said it, but it's understandable. Cry to God. It's like, really, this is what you have for me. It'd be better if I'd never been born. Would you count? Uh, a cry like that to the Lord is impious, impious, impious. I would. I think a lot of what Job said. God said, "Who are you? You just sit right down, and I'll tell you a tale." <laughs> Remember the Ezekiel says that Job is one of the one of the three most righteous men who ever lived. Yeah, Job, Noah, and Daniel. In Job, in, in Job, God tells all of Job's friends, and everything Job said, he was right. Well, then God doesn't chastise Job for saying what he said. Well, yeah, he does. He says. Well, he says, "Who are you?" Yeah. 
What just settle right down there, buddy? The question is, who are you, Job, to question me? Yeah. But he's not saying, you're, you're crying out to me, it'd be better to not been born, uh, is impious. I don't think. Well, I guess I think what God's telling Job there is, well, if I can paraphrase, mm-hmm. Job, you're not me, and so here you are. So Job says, it'd be better if I have not been born. And God goes, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> and that's like the answer to George. Yeah. Uh, you think it would because of your trials, but I'm God and you're not, and so here you are. Mm-hmm. Right? So I don't think it's impious. Ooh, technically. I mean, if oh, God and- says no. No, I disagree. Well, if there's a member of our church who goes through the trials of Job or Jeremiah, and they say, you know what, Pastor, I think oh. it'd be better if I wasn't born. Oh. I'm not going to be like, you impious little... Well, sure, sure. sure. Right? So sure. there's there's a level there where I don't think it's wrong to cry out to God in that. Yes. In your pain. Yeah. Like, no, this is really how I feel, God. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? But I think the revelation of Scripture is, well, you're not God, and here you are. So... Clearly, that's not true. Yeah. And that's what George comes to find out. Mm-hmm. And I think what Job does, too. Yeah. But then it makes you reflect on, I mean, everyone suffers to one degree or another in this life. What is the point of this life? What is yeah. God doing mm-hmm. in each of our lives? We're just waiting for the rapture, bro. We all have <laughs> suffering. We don't actually have to do anything. We just wait. Drink our beer and eat our Doritos. Yeah, that's or, true. Diet Coke, probably. Yeah. <laughs> We're Baptists. So. <laughs> and just wait. Yeah. You don't need to suffer. And I think if uh, some vessels of pottery are made for noble purposes and some for ignoble, then you have to trust that in however many years God's shaping me as a vessel, He's shaping me to some perfect form yeah. in His eyes. And for, and for George, when he says, you know, it'd be better if I wasn't born. And Clarence goes, okay, let's see. And then they go to Bailey Park, and it's full of tombstones. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. Harry would be dead. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> all, those, all those soldiers in, in the transport that Harry saved, you know, in World War II, all of those men would be dead. Mm-hmm. You know, all these deaths accumulate. Mm-hmm. when you weren't around George mm-hmm. and when you go to Bailey Park where there's flourishing and life and bread and wine and salt mm-hmm. and children mm-hmm. yeah children and what you find without you George because you think it'd be better without you here let me show you a graveyard yeah mm-hmm. right? and the same thing like in the book of Job because Job even says as a king of the east I've cared for the widow and the oppressed I've given in abundance to the needy I've fed the poor he talks about all the things that he's done as a king. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a reminder, like, no, it's better that you're here and suffer than if you weren't. Mm-hmm. So in what... <clears throat> that's interesting. In what's the difference between Job saying, I've done all these things, and the Pharisee saying, I tithe twice a, twice a week. I do this, I did oh. that, I did that. I think it's a different context. They're trying to prove their righteousness there. Uh-huh. And Job's defending himself against his mm-hmm. accusers. Mm-hmm. So Job, you've done wickedness in your life, and all of this trials come upon you because 
you have unconfessed sin. And it's kind of like David in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. When David says, you know, Oh, oh Lord, remember my righteousness. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you judge my enemies, remember my faithfulness. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like that with Job. But where the Pharisees, they're trying to prove their righteousness to the world uh, through all of their quote-unquote good deeds, but which aren't really good. Because mm-hmm. Jesus says, you, do, you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, but you twist the law for your own gain. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're not actually... You tell a man that he doesn't have to give to his parents. He can break the fifth commandment so he can give more money to the temple. Mm-hmm. You're not actually keeping the law at all. So I guess there's just a difference. Yeah. On the surface, they may might look like they're doing the same thing, but Jesus shows they're not. Yeah, and they're definitely not. Just, and that was kind of just came up while you were talking. Oh. Well, yeah, and I don't. But yeah. I don't think it's wrong for for a Christian to say to another Christian in accusation like you know you don't give enough you know if you're well I well just last month I gave a hundred dollars to you know so and so or you know look here's my salary and I gave five thousand to charity what do you mean I don't give enough you know I don't think there's anything wrong because that's not necessarily Mm -hmm. boasting Mm -hmm. but have I told the story about my seminary days with my friend who drove a Mercedes SUV we were in seminary, and he owned he owned two businesses, and he's in his late twenties, probably, just a very successful money maker. And he drove a Mercedes SUV, and a lot of the seminarian guys were like, "I can't believe you spend so much money on your vehicle." You know, we all have like Saturns, which are made of plastic. <laughs> you know, like Saturns don't rust because they have plastic bodies. And, you know, like we're just in these little Hondas and whatnot. And he and he got somebody backed into him and broke out his uh, headlight like the whole casing and it was like 10 grand to fix and we're all like 10 grand to fix you know how much good you could have done you could have fed these people you could have given out these gospel tracts you could have and I remember he asked one of my other friends and I I was just kind of like what's going on just being a spectator and I was kind of agreeing with my friends like yeah that's a lot of money and he said, how much money do you make in a year? He said, well, I work part-time, you know, and I make whatever. And let's say it was like $8,000 a year, you know, as a student. And he goes, and he said, uh, this year alone I've given $16,000 to charity. Shut your mouth. And we're like, oh, right? And I didn't see that as a point of boasting, but as a way to put down accusations. Mm-hmm. Like, you think I'm squandering my money, but I give more to charity than you make in a year. Yeah. Like, be quiet. And that's when it dawned on me, like, a millionaire, <laughs> for him, ten grand is like a thousand. You okay. know, would you get your car fixed for a thousand dollars? Well, yeah, probably. Yeah. Would he get his fixed for ten? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when I give sixteen hundred dollars away in charity every year and he gives sixteen thousand, everybody should just say thanks. <laughs> and not point fingers and so I think that's kind of what Job Job's doing as a defense, I think. Along those lines. Yeah. Where the Pharisees would walk into seminary and be like, I gave away $16,000 this year, and nobody asked. <laughs> you know? That's, that's the Pharisee part. But. Yeah. And Job's trying, not trying to earn his place before God. No, he's defending himself against the accusations yeah. of his quote-unquote friends. He's saying, God, you told me to care for the widow and the orphan, and mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. And you're still treating me like Yeah, my this. kids are dead. 
my house yeah. fell down. All my cattle are gone. My my whole kingdom is falling apart. My body's covered in sores. What right. sin is it? Yeah. And his friend's like, oh, it's a secret one. Like, well, which one? Like, <laughs> show me. Yeah. And clearly, based on the rest of the gospel narratives, the Pharisees are experts at sinning, but still trying to patch it up with their with their law keeping. Yeah, Pharisees love loopholes. And he was pointing that out. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's just like earlier to them earlier, and like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you say you're worshiping Yahweh, but when you come to the temple, there's the sun god, and there's the moon god, and there's Baal. You know, like in the temple of Yahweh, you're worshiping the Egyptian gods. Mm-hmm. It, it's all just a facade and a masquerade. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with the Pharisees. They didn't have the idols up in front of them, but the idols were in their hearts. Mm-hmm. And what does that have to do with It's a Wonderful Life? <laughs> oh, when uh, George said it'd be better if I was never born, oh, like right. Joe. Yeah. I suppose a righteous person crying out in their suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even as good Calvinists, sometimes life sucks. Mm. And it's okay to tell God that. Sure. Mm-hmm. When your child dies, or your spouse dies, or your business burns down, or you know you have to suffer martyrdom, or, you know, like, Sometimes things just really are hard. Yeah. And we shouldn't act like they aren't. Right. Or, yeah, life doesn't turn out quite as you expected. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, and... and yeah, like George. Encouraging the people walking through it to walk in faith as well. Like, like what you're saying with the kids in co-op is, you know, those that recanted... Oh, or, in the church history. ...renounced their faith at the, the hands of the Romans in the Colosseum they start, they're going to die just 20 years later yeah big whoop yeah there's still that part of you, suffering is hard yeah. you gave it, up eternity for 20 years yeah there's a <laughs> way to glory to the suffering that right. you have to keep in focus so yeah I mean it's kind of the, the, the difference between the empathetic and the sympathetic where the empathetic's just swimming with the person in suffering and the what the sympathetic's got is Doug talked about that, like his mm-hmm. arm holding onto the tree. Yes, I'm with you. Like, but we have an anchor here. You know, yeah. the mm-hmm. idea that suffering is temporal, and mm-hmm. I think that's. I, I mean, I, I watched you, like I watched you two do it a little bit with, just even with your dad's situation. Like, it's just good to be reminded of. Yeah, it's hard, but. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Really loving one another isn't just coddling each other in our suffering. Like it's meeting them there, but having your anchor mm-hmm. in Christ. And there's something greater to that suffering. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a, a good reminder of of that is to talk about people who are dead in the present tense. Yeah, it really shakes people up. Sure. You know, oh yeah, she was such a good girl. Yeah, she is a good girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. What? What? Huh? What? Yeah. You know, just well, because death is not cessation. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so your your dad is still alive. Mm-hmm. You know, so we can talk about Larry in the present tense. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad he is with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm glad yeah. he is your father. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is. Right. Right. So even even just changing the tense of the verb. <clears throat> 
just shakes people out of that kind of stupor, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, and just go ahead. As yeah. far as the, it'd be better if I'd never been born. There's also George, <clears throat> in a Christian sense, plowed, sowed, watered, tended, pulled like, weeds, <laughs> pulled weeds, did what he was supposed to do, and like Job. He got to this point in his life, and it's like, what? Wait, I'm going to prison now? Yeah. <laughs> After all of this? Yeah, like Jeremiah, I'm going down in the miry clay pit. What? This is, no. I'm going to the not, cross? This is not how it's supposed to work. It is exactly how it's supposed to work. In Christ, yeah. yeah. I, I lived a perfect life. If there's any other way to do this, hey, I've done all you've asked me to do. I've done the will of my Father. That was my food. Hmm. But George was baptized and asked for a new life and he didn't have to go to prison that's right yeah. Yeah. yeah and Job was restored yeah but I, I guess the point is we shouldn't expect hey I filled in all the boxes I plowed sowed watered pulled the weeds right I I deserve Right. All this to turn out fantastic. Because you can't control the the outcome. Yeah. You just and to can sing be faithful. Yeah. God gives the growth. Yeah. To sing, heart the earth, herald angels sing. Glory to no matter what. Right. Because he was triumphant and rejoicing when he came back immediately. Yeah. And then God poured on the blessings with mm-hmm. people coming in tearing up the warrant for his arrest and all the yeah. money flowing yeah apart from the money he was rejoicing yeah I'm going to jail yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I have to say Annie is my favorite character oh um, yeah the black I was saving up this money in case I ever had a divorce <laughs> <laughs> Are you just saying that because it's 2022? Yeah. No, I think she's just hilarious. The relationship the family has yeah, with her is, is just great. It's pretty yeah. great. I'm sure that I'm surprised it hasn't gotten canceled yet. Well, like <laughs> speaking with one of the members of our congregation, like that's kind of how things were. Mm, yeah. The the jovial everyone kind in a good way. Everybody knew their place. Mm-hmm. They loved each other. They served. Yeah. And it was just a, a, ban- yeah, a back mean, and forth. Yeah. She she I mean living she's with Bailey's. That's probably a pretty good household to live in. Yeah. Right. And it's not like she was disrespectful, but she was disrespectful, funny, like yeah. in a jovial way. Yeah. And, and everybody just, yeah, it was great. I love Charlie that. Murphy. <laughs> and then there was nothing made of her skin color. In the movie, yeah. Nobody cared. Right, because it's black and white. <laughs> like the, yeah. What color was she, Craig? I don't know. <laughs> Probably it was purple. a darker tone on the screen. <laughs> well, no, I, we watched the colorized version. She black. Oh, <laughs> oh colorized. Is that what we're... Is that hey, you watched it, too. <laughs> it was a language we're using. It was a, it was a colored movie. There. I remember when I... I thought that was... Never mind. We can talk about that off there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, ratings, recommendations, and cautions. Kayle, wait, Greg. Greg's. You went first last time. So. Yeah, it's Greg's movie, too. Uh, 5.1 out of 5 yes Zuzu's Petals Zuzu 
Yeah. Rich, Rich Bledsoe said this was the greatest movie. It would have to be of all time because greatest movie of the 20th century, but they didn't have movies. What other movies would there be? (laughs) How come Peter Lightheart hasn't written a book on it? Because Jane Austen didn't write it. (laughs) And uh, Terrence Malick didn't direct it. (laughs) What are we missing? (laughs) (laughs) It was. I mean, we watch it every year. Uh, It never gets old. That's just full of great lines, great scenes. Um, does does it make you cry at all? And not so much at the end now because I'm getting calloused to it. But <laughs> You're too used to it. But it's no, and you see more things every time you watch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his his interaction with who's the floozy in there that Violet. Violet. Hey, we'll wait for you, babe. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are such punks. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah. 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 And even even early on, he didn't have an eye for her as a kid. You know? Mm-hmm. Just, there's just virtue all the way. Well, he does to ask her to go out on a date that night. Yeah. And we'll but, go up to the mountain yeah. and we'll run through the grass without our shoes on and we'll go swimming until the sun comes up and we'll watch yeah. the sunrise. And I'm like, that sounds actually like a really good date. Yeah. Like, any girl should be like, that sounds like fun. Yeah. And she's like, run through the grass without my shoes on. Yeah. But even with that, the the other guy's waiting for you, baby. Hey, we'll wait for you, baby. Wanted to use her body. Yeah. And George wanted to have a relationship. A relationship. With her. Yeah, and he said, when we get back to town, there'll be a scandal and everybody will talk about it. Yeah. But in his fantasy, there was no scandal. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just stayed up. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things too. His his deferred gratification. It's, mm. It didn't even cross his mind to take advantage of her and use her. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it is a good example of. Okay, daughters, Mary, good, Violet, bad. <laughs> it's like proverbs on display. Hey, right. Because even in the in his life, uh, life without George Bailey, Violet's like a a feral cat. You know, she's like scratching the cops and they toss mm-hmm. her in the back of the paddy wagon. And I looked over at my girls and I was like, girls don't act that way. <laughs> you know, like, if you're ever in that situation, you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. But he yeah. was like Jesus with the prostitutes with her. Oh, he wasn't, yeah. oh, here comes Violet. Let's give her the evil eye. Let's yeah. avoid her. Or let's chase her down and, yeah. you know, hubba hubba. Yeah. But he didn't shun her and but he, chase her off. But he cared for her. Either. Yes, right. yes. And because he cared for her, her life didn't devolve yes. into what it could have been. Yeah. Into a hussy. Yeah. Caleb? Yeah, A plus for sure. There's a... Wait, wait, wait. Better not to Libre. This is it. Oh, okay. No, what? Wait, wait, what? Well, I think you gave Nacho an A plus only because... Or you gave it an A because nothing can get an A plus this side of the resurrection. Yeah, this one did. <laughs> no, it's yep. I love every time we get, you know we we put it in, start watching it. It's just it's just a good wholesome movie. Are we watching me right now? My score. Did we did we watch this on Christmas Eve or not? Did oh, who's we? Why did you talk? Oh 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 right. Uh, I I haven't talked to. 
<laughs> I told you you're inviting me over after Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve. I already got that. Oh, and my, mom, got, my mother will be here too. I already got the official invite. I did too. Oh, but, yeah. my, but my mother will be here too. So right. I need to take that into consideration. I have no problem watching it twice in the Christmas season. Oh yeah, absolutely no problem. I'll watch it once a month if you want to. <laughs> Guy night. And your, and I'm glad your mother came. <laughs> Oh, do we have to it's act like the, the magic of Hollywood? Here. The magic. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> where one third of the I'm hoping the hosting party realizes that we're recording. I'm hoping to set a screen up upstairs and project it and Ooh. have a speaker. So nice. We'll be able to Just one speaker? I don't know. Your booty well, room's pretty great. Well, I can't fit a lot of people in there. Oh, but this way I can do it upstairs, and I have this nice. We do have a lot of kids. Bluetooth speaker. Uh, Is it a Bose? No, it's a it's a Caleb Gemini, can bring his bows. like a. I'll like, pull up my suburban real close. It has bows. What DJs? <laughs> what DJs take on? Is this your side hustle? Pretty, no, but uh, I thought it would be great for other things. So I mean, like movie night. We should have done that for, for all sure. quiet in the Western Front. Fourth of July, which we're going to talk about. We're going to get you know who on the show. Oh, the G Man. So you need to the work. real G Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And True Grit with Judah. He wants to do that. Got it. The John Wayne one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd give it a... Any, I'm sorry. Nope. This Are you better good? be good. 10 this, out of 10. Oh, yes. I mean, it's... Yeah. I think it's great. I'd watch it all the time. I'd love to watch it with my family. Kids are welcome. Um, yeah, and uh, the only caution... I mean, it's not really a caution. It's very easily dodged. When it comes to angels, mm-hmm. you just tell your kids, no, that's that's not how, <laughs> angels are not galaxies. Mm-hmm. If they were like stars, I'd be like, well, I'm okay with that. But it's really close to that. Well, uh, Clarence is a star because he hasn't graduated. Mm-hmm. But, and the idea that when humans die, they become angels, you just tell your kids, no. Right. And then humans die and they have to become angels and then earn or merit wings, you go, no. Um, and then you just move on and enjoy the story. Aside from that theological diversion, I think it's just great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know how do how do galaxies and stars have Mark Twain copies of Mark Twain's books? <laughs> you know, I mean, there's things like this doesn't make any sense. And yeah, the, and the theology is you just took a nosedive from here on Earth. All galaxies, stars, everything looks like a prick of light out there, anyways. Yeah. When well, the scriptures all talk about <clears throat> angels being like stars and whatnot, mm-hmm. and Lewis writes about it quite a bit too. So I don't, I don't mind that association, but it, it was just strange. Mm-hmm. My kids are like, "What are those things lighting up for?" <laughs> you know. Yeah. And how, can a can a person really become an angel, Dad? And every time a bell rings, does an angel get its wings? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like, no. Right. And I and I said that to the kids. They're like, no, that's not true. And then at the end of the movie, the bells in the Christmas tree ring, and the little, and Zuzu's like, look, mom, Mrs. So and So says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Mm-hmm. And then George goes, that's right. And I'm like, and I just said that's wrong. <laughs> they're like, no, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> But this is no different than Narnia. You can't also go through the oh, yeah. back of a wardrobe and talk to. <laughs> yes, and I tell my kids now, Jesus is not a real lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. That he's the greatest warrior, but he's not on four legs. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, I mean, just that's. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. that's like a. I obviously gave it a ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. That's not a, a deal breaker. Claws that go back in. Well, yeah, you just have to. This whole movie is a teaching up. <laughs> the whole movie is a teaching opportunity. You could really pause it scene by scene. Yeah. Do you think we'll be alive when the next ten out of ten comes, or the next five point one out of five? I, what did I give 1917? I always refer back to that. It was a nine out of ten, probably. Yeah. Pretty close. But just saying. Enemy Mind's got to be coming at some point. <laughs> Enemy Mind might be up there. No, no, no. no. Any, Enemy Mind. No, no, no. no. It's we need. Remember that <laughs> meme I sent you about watching movies <laughs> with your friends? <laughs> <laughs> Such a good movie. A guy giving birth? No. <sighs> so this, it wasn't a guy. Does this mean the podcast is over? No. Okay. Well, I don't know. Do you want it to be? <laughs> no, but we just we hit it. We did it. <laughs> well, I didn't say it was perfect. <clears throat> A ten out of ten is. Oh, I mean, but I gave, gave it a five point one out of five. That's yeah. He went overboard. Action. But I, I gave a caution here. Oh. Okay. So. <clears throat> yeah. Well, encourage our kids to make the the next. That's right. Perfect. Make, make it better. It's right. a wonderful life. Yeah. Yeah. Why in why black not? and white? Yeah. In black and white. And why is it we haven't seen like that was almost the perfect movie? Enemy mine. <laughs> oh, you're ruining a good podcast. What? <laughs> that might be nostalgia. You might be right. I'll have to watch it again. And <laughs> well, you ask what's one of my favorite movies. You didn't say what did I think is one of the best movies. It's a different category, Greg. <laughs> well, we probably shouldn't end on Enemy Mine. What's your favorite quote? What's your favorite line, Greg? Favorite line. Oh, my goodness. Favorite line. Greg, Caleb, right. think about it. Quick. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets oh, its wings. Oh, would you? <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably the one you sent to me. This was a very interesting situation. Yeah. Mm. I liked uh, the guy on the porch in the summer heat smoking his pipe. He stands up. He says, well, kiss her already instead of talking her to death. Yeah. <laughs> Or one I often said to my kids is, help you down, when uh, Violet asked George to help her down from the stool. In the, yeah. Yeah. Help you down. What do you mean you don't like coconuts? Are you brainless? Say brainless. Don't Say you know where brainless. coconuts come from? And then, yeah, that's like how you talk to girls, right? Yeah. And then she goes, <laughs> George Bailey, I'll love you until the day I die. <laughs> After he just insulted her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Caleb? Oh man, he put me on the spot. I don't know. I did. I didn't. We didn't talk about this beforehand. No, you're a warped, twisted old man. I don't have a photographic memory either. So this is not photographic. Or you just haven't watched it enough times. You probably haven't. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess they do that kind of thing. <laughs> hee haw! Hee haw! Wasn't it the the auditor on Christmas Eve? Yeah. And he talks about his brother getting the Congressional Medal of Honor yeah. from the president. And he goes, mm, I guess they do that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they do those things. He didn't care. <laughs> Mama dollar and papa dollar. Right, we're going to put them in the bank and see if they have babies. Or... Yeah. 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 It's yeah. just good stuff. I don't have to. All right, Caleb. Sorry. You just you just ruined this whole well, show. It's, it's 1120. My, bar, my brain's... You're brainless, huh? Down. Don't you know where coconuts come from? <laughs> That's right. That's my favorite. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to this. 
special edition Christmas episode, longest ever Stories for Glory podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Yeah. I'm <laughs> dreaming of... Proverbs 25.2 It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Thank you for listening to the Stories for Glory podcast, where the glory of God is revealed in the stories of man. If you're interested in what we are doing, subscribe and share. If you'd like to contribute with your questions or recommendations, you can email us at storiesforglory at protonmail.com.